0: We have a special announcement. Scott's book is actually up for pre-order right now. Book number two, Champions Playbook 2. You guys will learn a lot more about it in the coming episodes, but it's the GoFundMe link is on his Instagram. That's shassygolf. Go over there and check it out. I don't know if you guys are familiar with GoFundMe or not, but if you pre-order the book off of GoFundMe, there's a lot of uh, freebies that are attached to it, as well as some things that Scott has let me in on. Uh, that you guys will be able to get access to if you pre-order the book. It's $14.99. It's the best $14.99 you'll ever spend. And we'll be getting updates out here shortly about where and when uh, you'll be able to get your copy. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace.
1: There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! And we're back
0: on the back porch of Franklin Bridge with Nick Dunlap. If you guys aren't following him on Instagram, you need to be. Nick, what'd you say was Nick Dunlap Tim? Nick Dunlap Tim, excuse me. Um, Didn't you have it
1: like Nick Dunlap 59 at, at one, one point? point. <laughs> <did. In> one <laughs> yeah, point, when you said 59. That's such a <laughs>
0: pimp thing to do, Nick Dunlap 59. Yeah,
1: I did it. I'm cool. Yeah, no. Um, so... If you didn't tune into the one before this, uh, Nick is uh, the two thousand twenty-one U.S. Junior Amateur champion, um, which is the biggest tournament you can win as a junior golfer, Um, and it also gets you a buy into the U.S. Open next year, which is in Connecticut, Boston. Boston. Sorry, Boston. Boston. Sorry, at I was thinking in my head the name of the course is the Country Club, Brookline. Bro, we literally goes by Brookline, but it's like the Country Club. I'm like. That's how about that for a country club name. What's your what what club do you uh, play at? the country club. The well, country which one? Club. No, the country club. <laughs> that's when you <laughs> Wait, like which one.
0: When you like no. watch no, Sunday, Sunday night football Day. and like you see all the Ohio State guys and like the Ohio State <laughs> the University. <guy.
1: laughs> yeah. So this is our live QA section. I'm gonna pretty much stay out of this. Jack and I are gonna stay out of this as much as we can here.
0: I'll facilitate it. Um, um, and then you'll obviously give kind of like the pro side. Nick's got the the practice, the adaptation, the, dude, like, the yeah. guy, and then I'm just the the little lameter over here. <laughs> yeah. I can I can relate to all the common folk out here on the patio with you, me and all go. the rest of us.
1: So, first question: Who wants it? An opportunity, yes, of a Jack, lifetime. Come on up, man. Get close to this microphone. Um, oh. um, what do you think the most important Important, like club in the game is
2: important club in the game. Hmm, I would say it's got to be the putter. It's what everybody says, but you know, there become weeks where you know you are might say you're driving it really well, or you're hitting your irons really well. Um, that's when you win. Um, and I think your putter. They say the putter is the equalizer for a reason. Um, and it really is. Um, it's there's a that's correct. There's so many different ways to make a par and a birdie. Um, and there's only one, really one way to get in the hole, and that's to putt it in the hole. Um, so I, I, that that would be my answer to that. Okay. That's a good question, though. Great
0: question. Really great question. Who's next? Well, we're on. filling time here. I feel like we always talk about, like, you know, how to hit your wedges better, how to hit your irons better, how to drive the ball. We talk about the putter a lot. But I feel like it's one of those things where it's like it's so common that like people don't feel like they need to practice it as much. When in reality, it's the
2: thing you need to practice. The thing to practice it is.
1: All right, Um, I'm Daniel Daniel Schust. and I'm curious how practicing on a mat affects your game differently than on a range with like turf, grass, dirt.
2: (sighs) Do you guys have mats here?
1: Just when it gets when it gets wet, wet, yeah.
2: yeah. Um. That's a great question. I, I know that you probably need to know this. You, you've I, done
1: it on both because you had a... I
2: have. Um, I'm not sure if some people are going to like this or not. That's actually... I have... Right now, I have a... My bad. I have a... Uh, I have inflammation and tendonitis and carpal tunnel in my wrist, and that's why. From hitting off Mats. Um, so for my answer, it would be no for that. Um, but then again, some people have to if you're you know, from the north or, you know, like I said, it's really cold. How is it
0: um, different? Explain. I, I think it's a kind of common sense, but like from your,
2: from your perspective, how is it different? I think that's another part of what Danny I just, trying to ask. I think you can kind of fake it off the mat. Yeah. Um, I think if you're hitting off grass, it gives you that real kind of turf interaction. Um, what, what actually the ball is going to do, um, you know, off a lot of people like to use track man or like a distance finding thing off mats and it's different. The ball reacts it different. Is.
1: It is, and when the club interacts with turf, the ball flight is different. It's not always exactly the Correct. same. And so, like one of the best things we had at Greystones, we had the TaylorMade Performance Lab mm-hmm. with Tim Breon running that, who's now Gosh, part that's of right. True. so long ago. Yeah, with the part of who's he's now a part of Truspec, and their whole big fitting system. The problem with those systems, um, and uh, what's the other big one right now? Uh, the other big fitting. Um, out there what are you trying to say no what, what i'm trying to say like places broad. that just do fitting oh indoors, like golf, golf tech but yeah golf tech champion. you have a club champion like club you, champion you hit there, yeah. indoors and it's just different i promise you it's different and hank was mm-hmm. adamant about that and yes. like there's there's a misunderstanding in the public like you can go get fit there but i always have them ask me and like yeah, yeah it just doesn't seem right i've got another and thing
0: too is that um we talk so much on this podcast about feels right about feels 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 like it seems like it's literally in every single conversation that we have on this podcast it's where if you're hitting off a mat like nick was saying you can fake it that club you could like what really would have been a duff and that ball would have gone five feet it just bounces off the turf hits the ball and, and goes like you know 85 90 percent of what you would have hit it if you hit it clean and so like if you're trying to hone your feels and become a better player I don't think you need to be hitting off mats, period.
2: No, and, and I think there's times where you know hitting into a like hitting off a mat into a net helps. Like right. if you're trying to work on something you're you're swing, I get that. I've done right. that a lot. Um, but I think if you're if you're preparing for something, and I think it's you know now there's times where you are forced to, but I think it's some of the worst prep you can get. Yeah, to be honest and with so you.
1: to finish up my thought on the Tatum Performance Lab is like you start inside. Oh right, we had to go back. You do to a this. full. So it's a you have a 3D bodysuit on. There's sensors on the club. And it outputs a, a best fit for your golf swing profile. And then Tim would then take you down on the range afterward and confirm or adjust off of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it was almost never the same fit as it was inside. Yeah. Almost never. And Tim's That's a, about right. Tim's in a world-class fitter. He's a fantastic fitter. And he will tell you that it's not getting like, it's not the same off the mat. So mm-hmm. do it when you have to, uh, you know, get creative like earlier in the first podcast like get creative find a way to practice but you really want to try and minimize how much of that you do when possible.
0: Mm-hmm. I think too we talked so much about uh get off the range, right? Or it's like if you're <laughs> if you sit on the range in one bay or off a mat all the time like you're obviously not going to uh you know find your your true golf swing, figure out how to get out of stuff and and you know be the best golfer you can. Sorry, we got a question up here. Go for it.
2: He gave it to me. Anyway, you asked a question earlier, what is your favorite part of golf? To me, my favorite part of golf is truly a beautiful golf ball flight. Mm -hmm. Seeing somebody hit it is amazing. I don't care if it's me or anybody. When you get to your level, do you still get excited about it? Oh, yeah. And then when you're watching, playing your buddies or in a tournament, and they hit one, do you ever just go, oh, wow. I think. Do you lose that? I, you know that's that's a great question. Um, I actually realized it. You know, playing with a lot of good players, you kind of you don't really see your own ball flight. Like I hate to say, it, but like it kind of gets like I'm not gonna say bored, but you see it so much it like nothing really like kind of surprises you. If that makes sense. Um, and I think once you <laughs> see somebody, it's kind of weird. Once you see somebody else hit it, you're like, man, that was really good. But even if you don't do it, it's like I, I don't know. Like I, like I, that's. I've done it. Like that's kind of how I hit it, whether it's, you know, not very good, bad, good. And it's just, if you do it so much, I hate to say it doesn't surprise you, but it's like just kind of, you see the same stuff over and over and over again. And it gets kind of repetition, but but you you still
1: love the sport and love the game and everything that's with it. Like you enjoy hitting those shots. It's just like your recognition of it. And the surprise maybe drops a little bit, but you get to like, when you're playing with great players, like, during the course of eighteen holes, like getting to be around guys like Nick and uh, Michael Johnson mm-hmm. and uh, Jake Mondi and uh, Lee Williams, Will Claxton, some of those guys, it's like, do any of you ever hit a bad shot? But there, <laughs> but there are shots during that eighteen holes where each player will hit more than one exceptional shot, mm-hmm. and the rest of the group recognizes it.
0: You Correct. always want to like the way that we've been conditioned to watch golf too is very. Not, like, the real thing, I guess I'll say. Like, you always want to be standing there on, like, an 80-yard 80, 80 wedge shot and watch that ball, like, rip back towards the hole. But you you never really get to see that from your perspective and like, where you're actually standing on the golf course. And so I feel like <laughs> every time we watch golf, it's always fun and exciting because we're literally on that journey with the golf ball, but not with the guy that's actually hitting it and being like, did that go in?
2: Like, is that right there? Like, no, what? but... I think to answer that question a little bit more, something I've done is I'll go out and play with three clubs. Um, And I love being creative. I like, you know, back to the mechanical stuff. I don't like, I like practicing. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of what we used to do when we were younger. We try to play as many holes as we possibly could before the sun went down.
1: This is like this is the thing. <laughs> like they were kids that and spent a ton of time on the driving range. I had a kid this summer that spent ninety more than ninety percent of his time was driving range time. He was struggling on the golf course. He was really good as a junior golfer and I turned I told him I said, You're gonna play hundred and forty holes a week. Yeah. And he was like, What? And he won the regional tournament and then went to state and finished in the top ten. Like this is a kid who hadn't won tournaments in two or three years and I picked him up this summer. It's like, get off the driving range. Like even pros like get stuck on that driving range trying to perfect it. It's like you have it's to you same. have to hit shots, yep. not swing. Yeah. And I no, like I, what you said about the three club
0: thing.
2: I, I think that's you know, you'll hit a couple of shots. Let's say you hit a nine iron hundred and twenty yards. Sometimes you have to hit a nine iron like seventy. And yep. it's like a front penny. You got to figure a way to get it close. And sometimes you have to try to, you know, hook it or get it to go 140. And I think to answer your question, that kind of gives me a little bit of satisfaction. It's like, man, that was like, if you hit a 7 or like 80 yards, man, that's kind of good. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can kind of, you know, hit one close from with a when you're not supposed to.
1: So – The question, like, people go, like, when am I ever going to need that? I was like, oh, you're going to need it. Oh, you'll need it. You'll need it. There will be a time where. You'll need it. And you look at these shots that these tour players hit from, like, under the trees that run up Mm -hmm. and, like, chase and curve on the green. You can't learn that on a driving range. No. You just can't. And you have to develop that by feel.
0: I'm not saying that I'm any Nick Dunlap here. But I was. uh, No, but
1: you have an amateur perspective based on. It's one of the reasons why you've gotten good so fast.
0: Well, what I was going to say is that I, when I was playing at Harpeth Hills uh, the other day with one of my buddies, he hit this drive that was—it uh, was actually on uh, what well, we started on. So we finished on nine, right? And so, uh, do you have nine in your head by chance right now? So he hit it on the right side of the fairway, right behind a tree, and that uh, that that fairway slash green complex is you know tilted up to the top, you know from top to bottom, left to right and uh he was hit behind it she's like dude how am i gonna do this and i was like watch this (laughs) and i took a five iron out of the bag and we were like you know we were probably 120 yards and i hit this thing that you know this nice cut kind of like wedge five iron that like (laughs) sliced almost around that complex landed right up and rolled onto the green and he's like dude how'd you do that and i'm like he's like that's something you." and he literally said you can't do that on a range and i'm like Bingo. <laughs> well,
2: well, well, to that, it's like if you really think about it, if you go hit 100 balls, all of them are going to be full. They're all going to be full nine irons. Yep. You go to the golf course, how many really or smooth. full numbers do you get? Almost never. 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 Like they're almost never flat lies. They're never like you just, that's why I think practicing is great. Don't get me wrong. But I think you just get, you have to get out there and just kind of, you know, feel it out.
1: And you're still paying attention to your fundamentals. You don't just let them. Correct. go to garbage Correct. like your your core movement stays in there but you have to figure out how to shape shots and players go watch well, uh, it i just didn't hit enough fairways and greens i was like well I, I didn't have enough fairways so i couldn't hit enough greens i was like you don't have enough other shots yeah you can't play the game with one shot or two shots you got have people are scared 200. to trust their body too like well example, they don't have fundamentals like that's yeah. Or they have a set of fundamentals that doesn't fit their body type. Mm. Like there are certain idiosyncrasies about Nick's swing, and we talk about Austin on the podcast and Elijah. Yeah. Like they have idiosyncrasies that aren't the same. Like Elijah's swing isn't going to look like uh, Nick's. Nick's is going to look like Austin's. Like there's not, there's no their continuity there. And so if you don't have your set of fundamentals, like if Nick tries to swing like Elijah or vice versa, we're not going to get the same outcome. No, we're not going to get the best outcome for that player. And I think that's one of the things I learned so well from Hank was like, I remember when he was teaching Vasili Kartos and we were doing a wedge lesson and Hank turned to me before he did this. He said, don't listen to anything I'm about to say. It doesn't fit any of the fundamentals that we ever teach. <laughs> and I almost never teach this, but he taught Vasili this little soft wedge shot that was unique. And Vasili had a very different style of swing in a golf club mm-hmm. and an excellent player. Can you talk about from a teaching standpoint,
0: (laughs) talk about from a teaching standpoint, like, for example, you'll let me kind of like fiddle with a few things in my swing. And I, I guarantee you, you would do the same for Nick, but talk about like what constitutes somebody to be able to play around with a set of fundamentals that you've given them as somebody who is your student.
1: Well, that, that depends on the person's both physical ability and awareness. Don't just have to have physical ability. You have to be aware of what your body's doing. And I'm also playing Jack the way I like to play. Athletes is going to use another Hank since Nick's here, but he calls it guided discovery. When I lead, when I kind of give you a couple different parameters and you play around with it, you're, I know what parameters I'm giving you and I know you're going to play around within those lines and you're going to find the one that works for you. And it's almost always going to be the one I wanted you to do anyway. Uh. But you're going to own it oh, instead of God, it being mine. Yeah. yeah. I watched him change a young man's grip. Uh, and I've done this with one of my players where the kid's grip was like way too strong. And Hank set him up beside a box. And like, he's like, don't hook it. He's like, what do you mean don't hook it? And don't hit the box. The kid smashes the box in like the first Ten swings. (laughs) Hank's like, miss the box. He starts missing the box. It's his pull hook into the crap at Greystone Founders, into that the weeds on the left. I'm just keep watching. He's like, come on, pull cut it. Pull cut it. Pull cut it. And he finally changed it. At the end of the lesson, Hank said, We were down the line the whole time. He said, Go around and look at his grip. And he whispered this to me. So I walk around. The kid changed his grip. He had been to three different teachers who tried to change his grip. He's like, and he showed up to the lesson and said, I'm not going to change my grip. Everybody's tried to change my grip. I can't change my grip. He comes back two weeks later for his second lesson. And he said, Everybody's been asking me if I've changed my grip. I'm like, no, I haven't changed my grip. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, that kid has no idea what that happened? he's ever changed his grip. <laughs> and I've done that with one other elite level player, and there's somebody in the audience who knows who that is. Um, but, like, it's that's the style of teaching that I learned under, and it's way better than just tech.
2: That's exactly how I play. If I'm, that it's, it's, like, it's identical. I, I always try to hit golf shots to fix my golf swing. That's how I've always done it. And I just, I think that's that's what you have to do.
0: Well, you, what we talk about this too on the podcast where you'll, you'll go to your most dominant habit, mm-hmm. right, under pressure. Mm-hmm. And so by you saying that you'll go to hit shots to fix your golf swing, you just have that insane awareness of your body, but also that, that time tested ability to rely on your fundamentals to the point where you playing just like playing and trying to hit wild shots actually fixes you better than anybody else could. Yep. But that's something that nobody else can do. You just, you just, you <laughs> just learn your own game. Yep, yeah, exactly. I think that's gotten
2: lost. It does. What's going on?
0: Uh, I'm Brady.
1: And
2: uh, I just wanted to know if, what age do you think would be the right age for juniors to start reaching out to college coaches or contacting programs? That's a good question. It's uh, – how old are you? I'm 13. 13? Honestly, I – What do you shoot? I shoot probably mid-70s. mid, mid 70s, That's mid awesome. 70s. That's awesome. And you have so much time to develop and grow, it's not even funny. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say – you almost have to learn to like having eyes on you um, and just say, hey, like reach out when you're a freshman, reach out now. I don't think there's really a time where you can reach out too young, to be honest with you. Um, I just think, say, hey, send him your schedule. Hey, I'm playing this and let them watch you. Let him, you know, see what you shoot, you know, and, you know, I just... Like I said, they know that you're young and they know you have a lot of development time still. But, you know, just to have them understand and recognize your name, where if you do win some, say, hey, this kid reached out when he was a freshman. Let's go watch him. Um, And I think that's, you know, as early as possible to answer your question. Yeah,
1: so um, we actually had um, the only person I trust to help with kids recruiting across the country, a lady by the name of uh, Ginger Brown. She was the Mississippi State uh, women's head coach took a program from 160th the first in three years. Another one of our cool Dang. guests, Nick. Yeah, so she was on episodes 128 and 129 of the podcast. Go in and listen to that. The Champions uh, Playbook. The Champions Playbook. Yep. Um, go in and listen to both those episodes. We'll, that'll get you connected to her. She t- she said basically the same thing Nick did. But you need somebody that knows what they're doing, um, and you basically have to cast a very wide net. Like, keep in mind you're going against kids like this kid. And you're not just going against kid, kids like Nick, from the United States. You're going from Europe, Asia, Australia. Like you're going from all of the big South America. Like they're from everywhere, and so you've got to have some strategic options. Don't get stuck. Like I got to go to a big school. You need to spread a very very wide net and no, just listen to that podcast. Both of those are wonderful.
2: I I think do do that. I agree with that, but also. You know, if you do have a dream school, use that to motivate you. Um, I think that's kind of what I did growing up. I wanted to go to Bama. So it's kind of that was my dream. And I think that helped me, you know, look at Justin Thomas, look where he's gone. Um, and I think that kind of helped me propel myself and
1: motivate me. So... I I like to set the bar really high and, like, let kids know. Like, when I tell my elites, like, I want 25 hours of minimum practice. If you want to play D1 or at a decent D2 school, that's the minimum. 25 hours a week of practice. Like, your your dream and your work ethic have to match. Nick does that beautifully. And I have kids that want to play at a high level, and I don't shy away from telling them, like, you aren't given enough work to even go play there, so why would I waste? Like, if a coach calls me, what am I going to tell him? I'm not going to lie to him. I'm just not, like, because I don't benefit them and I don't benefit you as a player. So, like, I don't, I don't know you as a player, but I think Nick's dead on with that. Like, if you have a school you really want to go to, then push for that. Like, I've had students want to go play at Duke. Well, Duke, you need, a, you need to have a minimum of a 31 on the ACT, and you need to have won uh, a regional or national event, and you need to have multiple competitive events with scores in the 60s. They will not even look at you. They don't care who you are. They don't care if you email them fifteen times a day for the next three years. They don't care. They will not pay attention to you. So that's that's where the bar is for a school like Duke. You can get there. I've got contacts at Duke. Like but in order like in order to play at Duke, you've got to carry a
0: very high GPA. Here's that other thing about the twenty five hours too. It's not like Hey, Dad, thanks for dropping me off at 4 or, like, at 3, pick me up at 8 kind of thing. It's like, no, that is intentional practice every single time. That doesn't count you getting in the cart. That doesn't count you checking your phone on the driving range. That doesn't count. Like No, that means you are actively practicing for 25-plus hours, and that's where... When we look at a guy like Nick, it just gets absolutely silly when we're talking about like forty plus hours.
2: It is, I will say it is easy. I'm online school. I've been online school uh, since tenth grade, so tenth, eleventh, and twelfth
1: grade. But even um, before then, you were you were was, up there.
2: I, I I would always try to go to school or try to play golf before I went to school. Um, but I think to be sorry, I kind of no buzzed, no, no buzzed good a work. question. No, to that's be you. Online school sounds great and all. Um, but you really have to be, um, what's the word for it? You, I mean, you have to be organized first of all, um, and you have to be dedicated. Like, uh,
0: I think intentional is a good word. I know,
2: a, I know a lot of guys that have gone to online school and all they do is play golf every day, mm-hmm. and they don't do school, and they end up not graduating high school, mm-hmm. um, which is a requirement to go play is, college. That, golf. Is a, that is a requirement, <laughs> and one of those guys is on the PGA tour right now, He's doing all right. But there's ways, there's ways around it, and um, but. Think that's something that's helped me a lot with where I want to go. I'll say this too while Scott's looking for another question,
0: talking about like getting recruited as well. It's but like from the baseball side, a lot of the times the people like go to these showcase tournaments and then like as soon as they're over, like their mom or their dad will like go and like talk to the recruits. Like, no, that's not the time where you go and like <laughs> talk to these these uh these coaches. Like they're there for a specific person and then they're leaving right after the game or right after the round or whatever it might be. And so I think uh, like some good advice looking back on it from my athletic journey is like talking to these people behind closed doors, like emailing them behind closed doors and being like, listen, like I'm super interested in your school. Can you give me any recommendations for what I should be doing at this age in order to, you know, be at the level that I need to be by the time I'm ready to be recruited? Exactly.
1: Uh, I'm Tucker. And my question is like, what do you do to work out? And how have you seen that impact your golf game like? and your scores on the course? That's a
2: great question. Um, it's a really good question. I would say I, you know, my dad, you know, my dad, he's, uh, he works out not really for golf. Uh, (laughs) Um, and, uh, I, you know, when I I moved to South Carolina, I was 14. Um, and I met a guy through a Bama alum that worked kind of in the physical training and that kind of aspect. And, I didn't really take on his, his advice early. You know, I just kind of started lifting weights, doing whatever. And I got bigger, but I lost my flexibility and I lost, you know, my feel. I didn't play as well. And uh, I think you, you I, I would highly recommend getting advice from somebody that knows what they're doing first. Um, I, I would highly recommend that. Um, and just, you know, flexibility and mobility is a huge – It's a huge deal in the sport we play. It's not really like, yeah, you can look like Bryson Brooks, I guess, but it doesn't really work for everybody. Um, You kind of have to, you know, listen to their advice, get multiple people's advice. It's fine. But I would would go that route for sure.
1: So this is why, like, I've been around a lot of fitness professionals and a lot I don't trust. I grew up, my mom was a personal trainer. My dad was a bodybuilder. I know this space very well. I know it well enough to know who to trust and who not to trust. And that's why I won't bring on anybody here other than Alex Phillips right now. Yeah. Um, and so, like, if, if you want to learn what to do, like, go see Alex. Uh, what podcast number was that? <laughs> These are a little more recent. Jack will find it here in a second. But, um, go. yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. And I've already had several students go to see her. She knows what she's doing. She knows what you need. Um, and I know you have – Tucker has a little bit of different uh, in terms of physically – has some things he's just born with. And so like, she's a fantastic resource. She's expensive on the front end, but like you don't have to go see her every couple of weeks. Like you can go see her once every couple of months. She'll build your program, you go and execute it. She'll show you how to do all the movements learn all the movements, show you what you need for your golf game, be able to measure everything to make sure you're not losing in certain places and you're gaining in the places you need to. And then I can communicate to her what I'm working on in the golf swing. She doesn't know anything about the golf swing. She doesn't care. Which is one of the reasons why I like her. She's like, My job is to fix the body. You tell me where you're struggling to get something, and I'll, I'll fix that. No, and I, I think that's something that's, that's a lot. ask somebody like Scott or ask somebody that has a great intention for you that knows kind of that industry and
2: knows, you know, knows people. Um, and I think something's helping I mean, us write down, you know, when you go to what is it help with? Like, you know, if he has you do something to build your core, write that down, kind of what it does, how it's going to help you. And, uh, you know, after four or five workouts, you kind of can build your own workouts and you can kind of build, you know, for. Let's say I, I don't have very good flexibility in my left shoulder um, and I have 10 different exercises that can help with that. And that may not apply to you. Um, and I think, you know, like Scott said, ask Scott or ask somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah. yeah
1: so you can you can go look at um, you can go look at some of my previous podcasts. Just look for Alex Fitness, uh, Alex Phillips Fitness. Um, it's about like, uh, like seven to
0: 10, maybe a little bit more episodes back, but on the champions playbook, it's got her, uh, Instagram handle too, which I'm going to find that right now. It is, uh, at Q W N T M Amazon Amazon Mary underscore P T.
1: You probably don't even have to type the whole thing out to sh- for it to show up. I should her be able to. And her name's that.
0: Alex Phillips. So that's and that's on Instagram. So. She's
1: fantastic, especially if you've got injuries and things that you got to work through. She's, she's fantastic.
2: But I would not recommend doing it by herself. That's my recommendation.
1: <laughs> no, I would agree with that. I think that's fantastic. Uh, what's next? One more? Somebody? Anybody? 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 Oh, come on. Don't y'all be bashful? We got one more question. One more question. One more question. Everybody's like, I got to think of a question. I got to think of a question. Oh, here
0: we go, Chuck. Yeah,
1: Chuck Sharp. <laughs> well, just take it
0: for the uh, You got to take the mic, Chuck. You've done this before.
2: You know I don't need the mic, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, um, what I'd like to know, and I haven't been here for the entire thing, so maybe you've talked about this, but I was always goal-orientated go- growing up through life. Mm-hmm. So... Right now, you're getting ready to go to college. What's your long-term goals, and what advice would you have for young people in setting goals and intermediate goals along the way? Not just the end goal, but do you do any goal-setting whatsoever? Of of course. I think something that – first of all, there's a lot of apps you can get on your phone, like Strokes Gain Apps, Strokes Gain This. You know, I – I keep stats. I think something that Justin Thomas says is really cool. He puts out his entire goals for the year and list them out of what he wants to do, whether that's gain strokes in this category or do this off the course. Um, I think that's something that's helped me, but also set goals high. Like set a couple that, like I want to be the number one player in the world. That's why I play. And, you know, be the number one player in the world as a junior amateur, you know, and a pro. That's one of my major goals that I really want to accomplish. And like I said, there's a lot of goals, you know, I want to become a better putter. And like Scott said earlier, you, you know, whether you average, you gain 1.4 strokes per round or whatever it is. If you gain 1.6 on tour, that's probably an average of what? A hundred thousand dollars. Like that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of money. money. And I just, and it's one more seven footer um and i think setting those intermediate goals but also have those goals that you know you can't really dream big enough i don't think i think tigers kind of set that bar for us um (laughs) it's unbelievable but um number one player in the world i want to hold i i want to hold the junior the am in the open um, and then all the majors that's one of my big goals and then become the number one player in the world those, those are my two big ones. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think it's cool, too, that, um, you know, you alluded to, to Justin Thomas in our last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really cool that you're getting behind people and institutions that have proven that they can get you to that next step in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And while that was, you know, Scott early on with Hank, obviously, mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, proving your way to the to the Junior am, And then, you know, now getting to Bama and, and getting to get on that proven tour or, or that proven track record. And then, you know, potentially getting on tour after that. I mean, I think it's cool that a, a lot of people think that in order to be like Tiger Woods, you have to like pave your own path. And it's like, that's not necessarily true. You just need to no. get behind people who have done it before. Um, and I, I think get in the room like we talked about ask, in our last podcast. Ask questions. You really like
2: mm. I thought, you know, a couple years ago, that I was best ever, and like, yeah, and even for guys that are number one in the world right now, like I guarantee they're asking questions, Mm. like how to get better. And I asked, you know, play with a guy's name Sepp Straka. He represented Austria in the Olympics, Um, and I ask him questions every time I see him of like how, you know. What does he do on the road? Like how many weeks in a row does he play before his body mentally, physically gives out? Like, and I just try to learn as much information as I can to when I get to that point, I kind of have an idea of what to do.
0: Do you watch any, any YouTube at all? Just like I any? do. So Scott and I always talk about the TaylorMade guys mm-hmm. and how awesome their YouTube channel is mm-hmm. and their little commercials. Of, well, yeah. And backing what you were talking about is asking questions. You know, let's say they release the new wedge and they Are give it to about all the, the boys. The tiger video? I'm talking about there's tons of videos. I mean, there's one in web that was just talking about sand I traps. love that
1: he's not paying attention to YouTube. This is so great. But, like, yes, well, the, so the Taylor made, like, is like. Well, hold on, let me finish the my thought. Let me finish my thought. Here. <laughs>
0: Like, they'll ask questions. They'll get in the bunker, right? And it'll be, like, Jason Day, Tiger, and and Rory or that's something about, like that, right? I was talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> they, like, they ask, like, so how do you hit this shot? Like, what do you feel in this shot? What do you do in this shot? And they're t- specifically talking in this one about how, how Tiger takes off spin. And Rory was asking him, like, well, Split's you know, like, down his hands. Yeah. like, how do you – And then Tiger's like, I don't know how to tell you. I like, just do uh-huh, it, like, yep. kind of thing. Jason Day's like, can you speak now? Yeah, you speak but, English, like uh, – yeah. uh, Scott just said, Jason was like, can you speak normal? But, um, you know, they ask questions. All those boys do. And it's all a community, right? Because at the end of the day, like, it's not going to come down to Rory beating Tiger because of what Tiger told him mm-hmm. a month ago. Like, no, it's not. That's not what it's about. Like, it's no. about growing the game and growing people's skill sets so much to where, like, you can be curious and ask these questions.
2: No, and I, and I want to beat everybody at their best. I don't want to beat somebody Love because it. they didn't have this information that I had. I just, if you're better than them, you'll beat them with whatever That's knowledge have. That's a good point, too. I never thought about that. That's a really good point. Well,
1: and so we've talked about this, like, getting in the room and rising tide floats all boats and a lot of that kind of stuff. But, like, by Nick sharing some of the way that he does some of the things, unless it's super proprietary, like, by making those guys better he inevitably makes it harder on himself, which forces him to be better. Like, so that's that's one of the things that people don't get. Like, if your competition gets better, you get better. And, like, the whole program gets pushed and nudged. And so, like, Tiger raised the bar, and everybody's asking Tiger questions. Tiger's asking Bryson questions. Like... Tiger's still trying to learn, and by so doing, like by by that mutual sharing of information, they all get better. You know, in economics and business, it's called collusion. That's illegal. So, like in sport, like golf, like they're sharing all of that, and they're all the guy that can take all of that and make it work. That you can't teach. That's learned.
0: You know, what's the crazy thing that I just thought of, and just specifically specific to me, is when. Morikawa won this this year when we were first initiating the stat tracking, yeah. right? And he was using the saw grip. And he was like, yeah, you know, I had a conversation with Marco Mara, like, you know, before the before the tournament started. And he told me, you know, why this benefits me. And guess what? I've been putting like that ever since I've seen Morikawa win. And, like, I haven't gone back to anything else, which is, I guess, a testament to sharing information and Making sure we're all asking questions and whatever works for you works for you. Bryson's a crazy
1: example of that too. But he never loses his fundamentals, no. that right? That are his, right? That's right. the yeah. difference.
2: And if there's one person that would be exempt for not having to ask questions, it would be Tiger Woods, <laughs> right? <laughs> but
0: it's kind of like asking, uh, you know, MJ what he thinks, or any of those guys. Like those guys, just they do what they do because that's how they do it. Yeah, and nobody asks questions. <laughs> We have uh, one more question, one more question. Anybody? Just want to make sure everybody's good, dude. This was awesome, Nick. Nick, I, Thank you, man. Thanks I appreciate so much you guys. for being on. This again. is awesome. Thank and you. Uh, is plug plug everything. We plugged it at the beginning. We're gonna plug it at the end. Your Instagram, and of course that uh, those that two little two word <laughs> phrase that kids. I hate so much. <laughs>
2: uh, Nick Dunlap ten and uh, Roll Todd There you go. Go Vols. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> um
0: no nick thanks so much for for being on the podcast man this has been you know so much fun and uh having you here has been super insightful i mean you know to especially the crowd that we have out here which by the way if you're not here wednesdays at 6 30 you never know who scott and i are going to bring to the podcast so make sure you come on out
1: we called an audible on this one this is a
0: this is a last minute deal nick i'll I'll say this too before we get off scott was so excited for you to come on he like he called me like three days ago or something like that he was like Dude, you know who we're going to have on the podcast Wednesday? <laughs> 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 Told me about you. I looked you up, and I was like, oh, let's go. That's going to be so much
2: fun, man. Well, I, I appreciate you guys you so, guys having me, and thank you guys for coming out. It's, it's been a lot of fun.
0: We look forward to following you, man, on your journey at Alabama, and, and hopefully it's uh, World Golf Ranking number one. Hopefully. Can we get a round of applause for Nick, everybody?
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> What's that? No Red Sox plug. We're talking golf. But hey, ALCS bound. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up here for uh, us here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. As always, go follow Scott on Instagram at golf. Um, book two is coming out. It's on pre-order right now on GoFundMe. So if you guys want to go and support Scott and support uh, your own game by taking some uh, some strokes off your score, Champions Playbook two is coming out. I'm not going to give the name of what it's going to end up being, but we're just going to call it Champions Playbook two. Go to... oh No, I said
1: I was going to announce it tonight. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be called Golf Decoded. Ooh. So a hush fell over the crowd. Yeah. So we're um, (laughs) there's a subtitle that I'm not going to release till we have the cover. Um, I'm actually using a university program to design my cover. That'll be kind of fun. Dude, maybe Nick can take it to Bama. (laughs) So back to his learning. I'm excited. He's going to get a an early glimpse at it and um, here soon, and I'll be curious to get his feedback on it because I'm about to show him. Some I'm of the data it. from it, so
0: love it, love it. Well, we're yeah. gonna wrap it up here from us on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. Like I said, follow Scott on Instagram at SS s golf two s's two e's. The GoFundMe link for his uh, the pre-release of his book is in the, the the link in his Instagram bio. So if you guys go and pre-order the book, it's fourteen ninety nine, and you get uh, with GoFundMe. I don't know if you guys know how GoFundMe works, but you get some freebies attached to if you pre-order the book. So if you do it now. And not wait till later you can actually get more value from just go ahead and pre order it so if you won't pre-order it you don't get it till april and uh from what i've heard he's thrown in a few things as well to that so stay tuned for that as well so uh thank you guys so much for listening and thank you guys so much for almost 20,000 plays uh this past year the champions playbook has been awesome we're going to keep it rolling through the fall and into the winter scott and i did it through the winter last year and it was super awesome you guys seemed to enjoy it um, but we're gonna keep on keep on keeping on as we go into the winter so thanks guys so much for listening we'll see you on the next one Thank you Nick Peace. thanks y'all for listening to this episode of the champions playbook as always you can find us anywhere that you guys are so uh, make sure to check out scott on facebook twitter instagram all of the above his instagram is at s golf that's two s's and two e's so make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his instagram page uh, as well as make sure you follow franklin bridge uh, franklin bridge puts out some great things as well and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us so as always feel free to come by the back porch of the persimmon pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf so book a late afternoon round of golf and then afterwards come on inside get some food some drinks Uh, we got some specials going on we had some five dollar flatbread pizzas we had some amazing chicken tacos as well as drink specials going on all night long so make sure to support the persimmon pub as well when you come out we would love to see you guys we do one episode and then a live q a and then another episode so from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays. We hope to see you
1: soon and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.